This is Dr. Karen, and this is the Are They 18 Yet podcast, where I help parents raise independent, self-sufficient kids without sacrificing their own identity and sense of purpose. I'm here to share practical day-to-day solutions and actionable advice for supporting systemic changes so we can make this world a more inclusive and accepting place now and for future generations. Welcome to the very first episode of Are They 18 Yet? This is Dr. Karen, and today I'm going to be talking about attention. So how to help your kids pay attention and also some things that people commonly get wrong when it comes to helping their kids focus and some key areas of misunderstanding. So once you listen to this, you are going to get a lot of insight into why it's so hard to help kids focus these days and also how you can shift your thinking so that you can start to get on the right track and actually support your kids. So let's get into it. So obviously, when I was in the school systems, I saw so many kids who struggled to pay attention. There were a lot of kids who sometimes the referral would come from their teacher. So they would, the teacher would notice in the classroom, the particular student was having a really hard time focusing. So maybe they weren't following directions in class. Uh, The other kids were 10 steps ahead of them and, and they were getting really distracted. Maybe they'd be looking out the window when they're supposed to be doing their work, or maybe they'd be showing some impulsive behaviors like they're supposed to be sitting still doing their homework and they're blurting things out, getting up out of their chair, doing things that they're not supposed to be doing, and and most importantly, things that are interfering with their learning. And then sometimes there would be things that would come from the parents. So the parents would say, wow, I'm having a really hard time getting my child to focus and do homework independently. Or they would say things like, I send them upstairs to go get dressed or clean their room. And I go up there and they're distracted and not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Or Maybe whatever those things are, they get done, but they don't get done well. So they send their their son or their daughter upstairs to clean their room and they say, I'm done, mom. And then, you know, mom or dad goes upstairs and the room is not clean. Or another thing that happens is that whatever is getting done is taking way longer than it needs to. So for parents... That can be really hard because you're trying to get everybody out the door in the morning. You're trying to get everyone ready and you want everyone to just go up and get themselves ready on time. And it's just not happening. They take way longer than it needs to to go upstairs and get their pants on or whatever it is. So if you have experienced any of those things, if you have a child who struggles to stay focused or maybe needs a lot of handholding or whatever it is, maybe they can't focus to get their homework done. You're certainly not alone. That's something that came up a lot when I was working in the school systems. It's something that I've worked worked through with in my own family. And I've actually personally worked through this as well. And the thing is, is that, you know, there's a lot of adults, 
that I've worked with that have said, you know what, my child has a hard time with this, but I am not sure how to help them because I also struggle with this and I am not quite sure how to help them because I haven't figured it out on my own. Or maybe I've kind of compensated, but I'm not doing it as well as I want to. So like I said, this is so common. And with the way things are today with different technology, there are a lot of things out there in our environment that actually make it harder to focus. So being on devices and social media actually encourages us to be distracted. And while we don't want to totally throw our technology out and things like that, there are definitely things that we need to work through. But I wanted to talk about the number one mistake that people make in just how they think about attention. That mistake is just seeing attention as something static that cannot be changed. There is no doubt that we are all different neurologically. Genetic factors come into play when it comes to attention. There are certain genetic predispositions for certain things. A lot of times people just go into this thinking, you know what, this is just how my brain works. This is just how I am. And there's not anything I can do to actually change this. And that is actually not true. There's actually evidence that we can do things behaviorally that can actually improve and change what's going on in our brains. And as a result of that, that means that you can actually improve attention and focus with practice. Now, do some people have to work harder at this than others? Does it come more naturally to certain people than others? Absolutely. But you can change your ability to focus, which means for your kids, when you're trying to lay the groundwork, there are a lot of things that you can do when it comes to actually improving your ability to focus and get through a task. And I'm going to talk about a set of skills today that really has an impact on attention and focus and also share some resources that can help you to have a better understanding of what this is. Let's talk a little bit about why this is so confusing. And a lot of it is because there is a tendency in a lot of the medical practices and just in a lot of the settings to to essentially take a magic pill and diagnose something wrong with you and and things like that. And so we can't really talk about attention without getting on the topic of medication. So I wanted to just say a little bit about that and just explain a little bit where I'm coming from. My background is that I'm a speech pathologist. So what I do is that it's my job in many settings. And when I was working in the school systems, I was working behaviorally on specific skills. So a lot of the things that I did as a speech pathologist to work on language and cognition, I am doing things behaviorally that can have an impact neurologically. Over time, if you repeat certain behaviors and thoughts and habits, that's actually going to change the way that your brain works. It's going to help you make different connections. So, for example, if I am working on different vocabulary words or different different ways to say certain sentences because kids aren't catching on and they're having a hard time expressing themselves then I am helping to build neural connections. The same thing goes with attention. 
you can actually train yourself to focus by giving yourself different cues. So when we think about attention and we talk about medication, they think, oh, we need some kind of medical intervention like a pill, or they think, you know, oh, this is just because it's my brain, this is just how it is and there's nothing I could do to change it. And a lot of times when a a student of mine would, when there would be a a referral for attention, a lot of times the the go-to conversation was, should they be on medication? There's two sides of the spectrum. And I have seen both sides not be handled very well or be taken very well from either side. So on one side, a lot of times, if you, for, for parents on the parent side, when someone would bring up, you know what, I, I think your child is having a hard time paying attention, maybe you should talk to their pediatrician to see if there's anything that you can do. A lot of parents were very fearful about talking to their pediatricians and even considering whether there's a diagnosis of something like ADHD because they thought that just that diagnosis automatically meant, well, that's going to mean that I'm going to have to put my child on medication. And as a parent, you know, that's not something that I would have wanted to do for, for my child And it's not something that, you know, like I said, I have worked through things like anxiety and attention issues as well, personally. And I, I'm not on any medication personally. I know that some people have chosen to make a different decision about that, but I did not personally want to, to do that if it was not absolutely necessary. So I absolutely understand that objection. So if you're a parent and you know that your child is having some issues with um, with attention and you're fearful of that, the the main thing I want to say is just because you're having that conversation does not mean that you have to put your child on medication. It is your decision. It's such a personal decision you know, being a a therapist, I am not a person who would be making specific recommendations, yes or no. And as far as, you know, are you prescribing? And I wouldn't be the one prescribing. Um, But if you're having that conversation with your pediatrician, even if they do make that recommendation, you as the parent can always say no. You don't have to do any one thing. So I just wanted to take the shame away there because I think a lot of times parents would be fearful because they didn't want to do that. You know, I'm here to tell you that you can do whatever you want when it comes to that. Another thing is that I I have experienced particular situations where I have known people who have said things like, well... Oh, we know that medication works, so why won't this parent just put their kid on medication and almost shaming parents for not wanting to just do that? And um, and I don't think that that is a very productive way of handling it. So if you're hesitant to do something like that, then you're certainly not alone and there's no shame regardless of what you how you feel about that. If you are someone who has decided, I am not going to do pharmaceutical interventions no matter what, then behavioral interventions and changing things like your environment are so important because obviously if 
that that's that's the main thing that you're looking at is okay let's let's do something else so it's so important to understand the specific skill of attending and how to build it if you aren't going to do other interventions like like pharmaceutical now let's look at the other side of the coin so some people do decide that they want to pursue medication or even, and, and let's just throw changes in diet in here as well. Whatever they decide to do, they want to do something physically that involves putting something in their child's body that's a little bit different, that's going to impact their attention. A lot of times people feel shame, not just about not putting their kids on medication. Sometimes there's shame for doing it because some people are all about natural solutions or or other things, and, and they're just hesitant to do it. So if you're on the other side and you have decided to medicate your child and you're feeling like you're doing something wrong and people are saying, oh, you're putting poison in your child's body, well, again, like I said, I am not here to tell you what you should or shouldn't do. I am here to take away the shame of whatever decision you have decided to make. But the thing is, is that a lot of times when I have worked with parents and students who have decided to go the pharmaceutical route, what we have found is that even if you do something like that, even if you change diet or medication, or if you're doing things like sleep hygiene, all of which, you know, again, diet and sleep hygiene are super important when it comes to focus and attention and making sure that your child is emotionally regulated and ready to learn. But the thing about that is that there are specific skills that you actually have to practice. So what sometimes happens is if you go the route of just trying medication and you don't do anything else, yes, you've set the stage a little bit differently. So neurologically, your child might feel a little bit different. They might feel a little bit more alert and attentive. If they don't have the skills of being able to self-monitor and self-regulate, then what's going to happen is that you're not really going to see the maximal benefit of whatever intervention you're doing. So what I'm saying is that regardless of whatever route you go, when it comes to do I medicate my child? Do I not medicate my child? Whatever decision you decide to make it is so important to teach them those specific skills because you pretty much have to do it regardless. If you decide not to medicate, then obviously it's really important that you do other things to help and to build those attending skills. But that's really something that you should do no matter what. And I'm going to explain a little bit about what those skills are and why they're so important, regardless of how alert your child is in just a minute here. I'm going to take a quick break to share a resource that's going to change the way you interact with your kids each day so you can be there to support them and keep your sanity at the same time. If you're a parent who wants to set your kids up for success as adults, then I wanted to invite you to sign up for my free parent guide. In this guide, I share the set of skills that kids need in order to stay organized, focused, and motivated during their day-to-day tasks like chores and homework. If you've ever felt like a broken record because you're nagging your kids to pick up their things and get ready to go on time or get their assignments turned in 
or if you have a child who has a low tolerance for frustration and you worry they aren't learning the skills they need to be resilient and adaptable, then you'll get a ton of insight when reading this guide. In it, I share the essential set of skills kids need to stay emotionally regulated and attentive and apply critical thinking skills so they can stick with challenging tasks independently without nagging, bribes, or constant hand-holding so you can have the peace of mind that your kids will grow up to have productive, fulfilling lives. Just go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash parent guide to sign up. When you sign up for the guide, you'll also be added to my mailing list, so you'll be the first to know when podcast episodes air and when doors to my parent training program are open. Just go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash parent guide. So now that we're back, I wanted to talk a little bit about what is known as executive functioning. A lot of kids who have a diagnosis of ADHD or who have other diagnoses that impact their ability to stay organized and focused and pay attention have deficits in what's known as executive functioning. Executive functioning skills are a set of skills that enable us to engage in goal-directed behavior. Somebody who has a hard time with executive functioning skills tends to have a poor sense of time, tends to get easily distracted, shows some impulsive behaviors. A lot of times, if there is a disruption to their routine, they will not necessarily know how to adapt in the moment and figure out an alternative way to achieve whatever thing that they're trying to do. So let's say that you send your child upstairs to put on their pants and the pants that they wanted to wear are in the wash. So they don't know what to do about that. And they don't know how to figure out an alternative. And I know that that seems like kind of a silly basic example. And the thing about it is, is that that is something that a lot of people take for granted because they do it. They have that internal dialogue of problem solving during their day-to-day routines. Somebody who doesn't have strong executive functioning skills doesn't have that internal dialogue that enables them to do that. So that is something that can come up if you have somebody who has a hard time attending and focusing. Self-regulation is also something that is really difficult. So being able to evaluate your own work. So looking at whatever it is that you're doing. Let's say that you want your child to go upstairs and clean their room. To be able to look back And look at your room and say, is my room clean? Does this look like a clean room? Knowing what success looks like. That is something that tends to be impaired and a little bit more difficult for people who don't have strong executive functioning skills. That attention to detail and the ability to look back and evaluate your own work. And that is huge when it comes to not just day-to-day tasks, but homework assignments. To go over your work and look back and say, hey, did I answer all the questions? Does this essay that I've written make sense? Have I completed all the steps? That's something else that's really important. Another thing is figuring out what the steps are to get from point A to point B. So if you've got a task that you have to do, usually in your head, you're thinking about all the different steps that you have to take in order to do it. Someone who doesn't have well-developed executive functioning skills 
tends to have a hard time with that. So the reason that I'm sharing this is because a lot of times kids who have attention issues, being able to focus is just one thing. And I talked a lot about how people who are working with their kids with attention, they might consider things like medication and diet and sleep, which are all things that I have seen make a difference for kids with attention issues. But you can see that if you're focused and attending and regulated, but you don't know the specific steps and you don't know how to problem solve, those are skills that you can actually build and that you actually need. Being able to attend and focus is just one of those executive functioning skills. There's actually eight separate skills in addition to being able to attend. So that's why I say it's so important to not just be able to attend and focus, but also be able to do those other seven executive functioning skills. Because what happens is that a lot of times kids who show impulsivity and have a hard time staying organized, it's not just that they aren't focused, it's that they don't have those other skills. Obviously, you have to actually work on those skills if you want your child to be able to build them. So what happens with a lot of people who maybe just address the the focus and regulation issue, let's say that they decide to pursue pharmaceutical interventions and their child is a little more attentive and less impulsive and they're able to focus better. But if they don't know how to break a task down and evaluate or go through that task and work through minor bumps in the road, if they don't know how to do that, then they're still going to have a hard time getting things done. So what we see a lot of times is that kids who haven't had specific training in executive functioning skills, they might be a little bit better, but they're not as good as they could be. They don't have as much control. They might have a hard time staying organized and getting things done because we haven't addressed those specific skills. You are listening to the Are They 18 Yet? podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Karen. If you're enjoying this episode, I'd love if you could leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. All you need to do to leave a review is open the podcast app that you use and navigate to the Are They 18 Yet? podcast page. Then scroll down to the subhead titled Ratings and Reviews and select Write a Review. I wanted to take just a second and check back in because I've shared a lot of information so far. I know that executive functioning isn't necessarily something that is talked about and is common knowledge. So that's why originally I had kept going with this episode and talked specifically about what the eight executive functions are. But I wanted to just pause here Because by now, you're starting to realize that while attention can be impacted by things like genetics and some other interventions that we can do, it's actually also a skill that we can teach because we can actually impact our child's ability to focus by building their independent skills and their executive functioning. So we're going to wrap up episode one right here. But the key takeaway is that we can change our brains by doing specific behaviors. And by practicing specific behaviors, that enables us to become more comfortable with certain skills, which 
makes us able to perform specific skills more easily. And that's going to impact our ability to focus and pay attention to those skills. Now, what I'm going to do in episode two is pick up where I've left off, and I'm actually going to dive into the eight different executive functions so you can get a little bit more of an insight into what they actually are. Because the first step in understanding what to do about it and how to improve these skills in your kids is knowing what those skills are. I have already shared a parent guide that walks through these eight executive functions. If you wanted to get a sneak peek of episode two and have a written document that outlines all of that for you, I invite you to check it out. This guide walks through those essential eight executive functions that enable your child to engage in goal-directed behavior. These are the set of skills that allow them to go from point A to point B efficiently and to be able to stay organized and be able to get things done. If you want to check out that guide, I invite you to go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash parent guide and sign up so that you can learn those eight executive functions today. Those are the skills that help you to improve problem-solving, critical thinking, attention, and focus. When you sign up for this free guide, you will also be added to my mailing list and you will be the first to know about when new podcast episodes air. But... I also invite you, if you are ready to continue learning, you can download that guide, but I've actually already aired episode two, where I do walk through those eight executive functions, so you can keep listening if you want. So again, you can check out episode two, and you can go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash parent guide if you want the written version. This is Dr. Karen. And I am here to help you raise self-sufficient, independent, well-adjusted, healthy kids. Thanks so much for listening. I will see you in episode two.